You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Our Father, thank you um, for this day in which we can gather, in which we can uh, worship and sing and pray and and hear your word. Um, We are a poor and needy people, and we need you desperately. We pray for your your present uh, presence in this room right now. Uh, Jesus, you have said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So be here, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm Craig Ogard. Um, this is my wife, Julie. Um, two weeks from today will be 40 years of marriage, by the way. So. <laughs> who God has graciously given, so I am very grateful. Um, We have three adult children, all of whom are married. Um, We have one grandchild and a second on the way, so we are excited about that. Um, So we're going to talk about praying for your children today. And and, uh, trust me, we don't have it down. Um, We don't have all the answers. But uh, we have walked through uh, some of what y'all are walking through, and um, and uh, y'all are walking through some things that we've never walked through. So um, we're just grateful that uh, we have a God whom's, who, whose ear we have. Um, when you think about prayer, um, I don't know what comes to mind for you in the simplest form. Um, Anybody? When you think about prayer, what in its simplest form do you think about? Talking to God. Talking to God. Amen. That's right. Um, and I like the idea of, of, of prayer being having his ear. Okay. Um, and the idea that um, I think is also helpful with this idea of praying to God and talking to God. It's like, well, what do I say? You know, if I have his ear, then what do I say? And um, I think list, I think uh, hearing his voice has a relationship to this idea of having his ear. We need to hear his voice so that when we do speak to him and we have his ear, we speak what he's speaking. Okay? So our prayers for our children should be informed by his word listening to his voice. Andrew says often, if you want to hear God's voice, read your Bible out loud. Okay, so God is speaking. We hear his voice, but we also have his ear. And so the idea of, you know, what what is the basis for confidence um, in terms of our approaching God and being able to speak, to have his ear? Um, you know, and it's 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 none other than the gospel itself. There, there's not anyone sitting in this room today who can say I can approach God in my own ability, in my own righteousness. I mean, our God is a holy God with with no sin, and this idea that God freely uh, allows us to approach is because of the work of Christ 
And that's, that's the bottom line. For Christ died for sin once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. You know, Christ, you know, just what we all celebrated at Easter, Christ's death, burial, resurrection, ascension, has clothed us in his righteousness. And so when we, you know, come before a holy and righteous God, God sees us. Hey, Anna. God sees us um, clothed in his, his righteousness of his son. And so therein lies the, uh, the grounds upon which we have confidence to come before God and even speak. Okay? Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 um, verse 19 says this therefore brothers and sisters <clears throat> we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened us up opened up for us through the curtain that is through his flesh and since we have a great high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith and with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water the righteousness of Christ given to us by faith enables us to draw near and speak to God bottom line um, you know he sends the spirit of his son he adopts us as his children through faith he sends the spirit of his son into our lives whereby we call him father okay whereby we call him father just an imagery of this that i i really love and i see kathy sitting back there in the back she has the advent prayer ministry she coordinates that and what a, a labor that is that she does um, but this idea of approaching God I uh, think of the story of Esther you familiar with the story uh, the book of Esther where Esther is, uh, is, is has become a queen and uh, Haman has who is in a who's an official within the kingdom. They're in exile. He hates the Jews. He wants to kill the Jews. There's a decree that's issued that all the Jews will be killed. And Mordecai, her uncle, who has adopted Esther, um, finds out about this scheme. And he um, and he makes Esther known of the scheme and says, you know, you, you've got to do something about this. Um, you're in a position like no one else. And so you need to, to speak to the king. Um, and this is the imagery that, that, that I, uh, I think is so interesting. This is in Esther chapter 5. So Esther has said, look, pray for me. I haven't been asked to go into the king's presence for 30 days. And if you're not invited and you show up, you risk that. Okay? So she says, pray for me. So on the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court. I love that. She put on her royal robes. Again, the idea of being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. <coughs> she puts on her royal robes. She goes and she stands in the inner court in front of the king's quarters. And while the king was sitting on the royal throne, inside the throne room, opposite the entrance to the palace, and when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor. 
Okay, now we know she was gorgeous and all that kind of stuff, but I, I, I want you to, this idea of winning favor in God's sight. I, I can't win that favor in God's sight, neither can you. We win favor in God's sight when he sees us dressed in the righteousness of his son. And we win favor. Alright? So she wins favor in his sight and he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. And then, and then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter and the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you even to half of my kingdom. What a what a picture. I mean, think about that. Standing out there, the king extends. Come into my presence. What can I do for you? What's your request? Um, so, therein lies our confidence in terms of even approaching God. Um, it, it's it, it's his it's his righteousness, his holiness that is freely given to us through Christ. I want to read one thing from the psalmist, uh, Psalm, uh, from Psalm 5. As the psalmist is praying in this psalm, I want you to, I want you to hear the language that he used that reinforces this. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. I lost my place. Um... You hear my voice. I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch, for you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord opposed the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Here. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. And I will bow down toward your holy temple in fear of you. But I, through your steadfast love, will enter into your house and I will speak with you. So, um, so we have confidence to approach. Um, but then confidence to ask, um, what do we say? What do you say when you come? And, and, and that's where I think Listening to his voice through the word of God helps us and relates to this idea of hearing his or having his ear. Our lives need to be informed by scripture so that when we approach God, we can pray his word to him. Uh, and in particular, as we think about you know praying for our children, um, I mean, it, it was providential that today was baptism. This class was set up, I'm assuming, who knows when, but I mean, it was just the lesson plan is, is right there in the, in the leaflet. Um, but the, the imagery there, again, parents bringing their children forward, okay? And they place their children in the hands of Andrew or Craig, and then they take them in their arms, and they baptize them. But then they bless them, they speak over them, okay, and they pray for them. Um, that imagery, when you think about praying for your children, that's what, you, that's what we're doing. We're taking our children via prayer, 
and we're putting them in the arms of Jesus. And we're asking Jesus to speak over them and to pray for them. I mean, um, Mark 10, uh, 16, um, it was the account of uh, the people bringing the children to Jesus. And of all things, it says that the disciples rebuked them. Um, starting at verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, this is amazing, he was indignant. He was pained. He was shocked that they did that. And, um, but when Jesus, uh, I got lost again. He was indignant. Yeah, okay. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. And truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them, here it is, and he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Um, so again, some imagery of, of of just what's kind of going on when we pray for our children. I want you to see that. That's what we're doing. We're, we're lifting our children up. We're putting them in, in God's hands. you got to remember that Julie's got to speak too. So. <laughs> She's got better things to say than I got to say. Um, so praying for our children is, is kingdom work. It's kingdom work. It's... it's um, it's the idea that we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come into the heart and life of my child. Um, you know, the, 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 the uh, commitment that was made for those parents when they baptized those children today, I believe it was, will you pray for your children? Will you pray for your children? Um, the prayer that that God would transfer them from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. It's kingdom work. Your kingdom come, take them out of darkness, and bring them into your mark, into your kingdom of light. Um, and then thirdly, uh, that they would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom. Um, and, and that's from First Thessalonians, and, and it's really interesting there. And Julie's going to touch on this too, but the idea that these people who had come to faith—he was only there maybe three weeks in Thessalonica—and a group of people came to faith, and and he he left. He was not there a long time, um, but he wrote these letters back to them, and he talks about how, like a father, he exhorted them and encouraged them, but he also talks about how, like a mother. They were dear to him. So that combination there is just very interesting. Like a father and a mother uh, in relation to these, these new disciples in Christ. And the kingdom work that we're, we're seeking for our children is not just that they come to faith, but they'll be Christ's disciples, that they will follow him all the days of his life. Um, so that's just kind of a, I wanted to do a broad brush kind of, 
um, introduction in terms of how we can approach God, uh, how the Word can inform us to pray. Julie's going to kind of walk into the, a little bit of the practical side. We're trying to leave a little bit of time for some questions and answers and, you know, our discussion. So, I'll ask you to... Yeah, I'm going to try and capitalize some of the things that Craig and I have learned a lot of times from doing things wrong um, about praying for our children. And um, when we started talking about this class and preparing together, one of the things that we could not get away from was just the need to stick to Scripture. Obviously not um, so strictly that you never mention anything else, but how in using the Word of God itself, to inform your prayers and to to wrap your prayers around you know that you're using the word of God and that you're using his desire for your children um, because I know for myself if I do my own uh, if I relied on my own heart I can't trust my own motives and my own um, um, desires for my children always I, I don't have that big eternal picture and um, so Using scripture to inspire your your prayers does help to um, keep your motives and your expectations of your children in check. Um, I also think it keeps you from um, having too much of a child-centered home or child-centered prayer life. It's so easy um, for us to, we love them so much and have so many great desires for them. Um, it's, it's so easy to center ourselves around them and their activities and their happiness and what we think they need for their happiness. And again, I lose sight of that broader eternal perspective for my children. So sticking to God's word or using that as a springboard um, helps helps to keep it from being centered on the child, more centered on who um, God sees them to be and wants them to be. Um, and it also helps me to see my children more realistically because we can't read much of the word without realizing how much we desperately need um, God and his work in our lives and and I have to believe that even about this precious baby that has in my eyes has no sin you know and it's just this <laughs> angel sent from heaven but um, but we know that life is is coming and um, that that child's going to be um, confronted with the difficulties of this life too so um, so those are some of the things that the need for sticking with the word or at least beginning with the word of God and um, and there's several ways to do that I thought like Craig said I thought it was providential that it was baptism because I do remember when um, like I I tore out these questions from the baptism put them in my Bible for prayer for our grandson when who's getting ready to be baptized because I can you can use these as a guide for prayer one one a week you could do one a day you can read them and and think this is what I want. Just remind yourself that this is something that we've committed to and that we would want for all of our children at all times. Um, so use it to outline your thoughts. And um, I think a good example, Craig mentioned First Thessalonians, I think um, when they're little time and you don't even know what, what they're going to be confronting, what, they, what you want to pray specifically for them, um, there are blessings in Scripture that you can play, pray over your children. You hear every week, the children get blessed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up his countenance upon you. That is, each one of those things are just, are, are precious and can lead to, if your children hear you blessing them with that, 
then as they get older, like three, four, five, you start talking about what do you think it means to bless you? What do you think it means that God keeps you? What do you think it means that his face is shining on you? And I mean, just one phrase at a time, you can kind of lead your children through that blessing. And they're familiar with it because they've heard it, because they heard you say it, or you use it in your private prayer. Um, um, and also, I love the, the blessing in First Thessalonians 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. One sentence. Um, again, it could be broken down into small pieces, but um, that that is a, a great way to focus on who it is that God wants this child to be, and um, and that that is that is a way to keep in check my own thoughts and, and desires for them. Um, so I would really encourage you. I mean, um, if you are praying a blessing or praying aloud with your children, or even or praying personally. Don't ever hesitate to, I mean, and I think, again, these are things we've done wrong. We were probably not as bold as we would have liked to have been when they were younger, but they knew we were praying for them. But um, I wish I'd said a little bit more, you know, I'm so glad you said that. I prayed about that for you this morning or whatever, just so they know that prayer is, is a part of your life and they realize that that is what you, that's what you are doing for them. Um, I would, and I don't, I don't know if. Well, I think you do this, too. We don't do it the same way. But um, as our children went through life, it was often that you'd come to a verse and think, oh, that just reminds me of Laura. This is something that I want to pray for Laura. So you take that verse and, and focus on it. Maybe sometimes it was one word. Um, but then I also could convince myself that I didn't have 20 or 30 minutes to sit down in concentrated prayer for my children. So I chose a place and a verse or a word for each of my children as life went on. When I stop at a red light, I pray for this child. When I'm in the shower, I pray for this child. <laughs> when I try to think of those few, those few times when you're by yourself and it's actually quiet, and sometimes it is only just a few minutes, but, um, but I need that. I just needed that discipline, just that reminder that this is my time to pray for that child. And all of that changes. You know, that word that you have for them or that phrase or that verse, um, it changes as your children change and their lives change. Um, the good thing is, too, because you're in the Word and you're using it and they know that you're using the Word, that is in your heart. And so when it's time for some correction or from some instruction, that's that's also where you're getting your... Um, where you're getting your, your feeding and where you're getting some, some wisdom. Um, I just remember being concerned about one of our children and their friendships, you know, and Proverbs says, he who is wise, um, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Okay, so that's a great way to pray and also a great way to talk to your children as they get older. But like, are you with foolish people? Of course, we know they're all pretty foolish but <laughs> are you choosing foolish friends are you choosing wise friends um, and you know so all of that again you're you're putting in your own heart and your own life and you can use it for prayer and also for instruction um, one of the examples of this when our daughter was she was at the end of college and trying to make a decision both of which were probably not very good and she was talking to Craig on the phone and, and she's you know going on and on about this decision and, and Craig responded and he says well you know I think and he gave 
something about what God would have wanted would want her to do, and she said, oh, "I knew you were going to play that God card," <laughs> which of course is just like a knife in the heart of a of a parent. You know, you wanted her to say, "Oh, thank you. That's just what I need." No, she was she was a little bitter, and she was not and she was not walking with God at the time. But I thought Craig's response was great because he says, "You know, Laura, that's all I've got." Like, if you want my wisdom, it's not really that great. I've got to go, I've got to go deeper. I got to go higher. And he said, I, I don't have anything else to say because that's where I go when I have to make decisions like this. This is where we go, and that's all I've got. And um, and it was a it was a great opportunity to just, I mean, not apologetically. It's like I, I'm not going to tell you anything else. I'm not going to tell you what. I'm not going to tell you what your, that what your friends told you was a good idea, or what everything else looks good. This is this is where I get my my information. Um, I would also really encourage you to um, enlist trusted friends to pray with and for your children. Um, this is something I've done later in life. I don't, not when my children were really little, but I don't think it's too hard. And again, this is not a large group of people. I just have a small group of friends that we are committed. We, we began praying for our children in high school, college, and have continued, and it can be a text, and it can be one word, and it can be one child, and it doesn't have to be a lot of information, because sometimes, especially when your children get older, you have to be careful of their privacy. You don't want to share so much that they feel like they've been violated. And, um, and yet, these are dear friends. I know their children deeply, not because I see them all the time, but because I know the concerns and the struggles of life and that we have prayed with each other through them. And so I'd really encourage you to start looking for some of those people. Um, and again, not it's not a huge prayer group. It's not it's just, you know, people of like mind who you can trust and who trust you with knowing and loving their chil- your children. Um, and um, be bold about praying out loud with them also. And again, this is something that Craig and I probably didn't do as much when they were younger, but as they got older, especially when they start driving, um, you know, and they start leaving, and you're not going to see them for a while, and you have to trust them to those roads. And um, Craig just started saying, you know, let's pray before you walk out of the house, before you go. And the first few times, it was a little awkward. I mean, they did it. They, they, you know, I have, they, they did it. They respect their dad, and so they did it. And now, like nobody leaves until, until we've prayed and we've done it out. We, most of the time we do it by the car out in the driveway <laughs> because we've said goodbyes and we're doing everything and um, you know or they'll just come in I know my one son comes in just stands in the family takes his hand, waits just waits for someone to to start praying and again it's two or three sentences praying because we've enjoyed our time with them praying for them to be safe in their travels um, and now it is just expected because I remember one time Craig was gone and they were getting ready to go and I couldn't figure out why they weren't Leaving, I thought, oh, they're waiting for me to pray. <laughs> I don't usually do this, um, but but literally had become such a habit that they don't they don't leave until until we have kind of prayed them away. And you know, especially when we began, and even now, I've never asked them how they what they think of it or what they expect. We have now we have in law children, you know, who grew up in different families, and I've we've never asked them whether they like it. They respectfully do it and stand there and expect it and uh, you know expect us to do it and and we just that's our compul- that's our compulsion that's what God put on our hearts and so that's what we do and um, and just grateful that um, that they allow us to and 
uh, just that reminder again that they don't belong to us, that they, they truly are God's, and that continual giving back. Um, so the only other thing I want to say is that I, one thing about parenting is you don't get to do it this way and then turn around and do it that way and then compare them and say, oh, I think I like this way better. You only get to do it one way all the way through, so you don't ever get to, you don't often get to change horses in the middle of the stream. And so um, I've thought, are our children any different because we pray for them? And I don't know. I, I really, I cannot say that for sure. I can definitely say that their parents are different because we prayed, because the work that God does in our lives and uses them to do in our lives, I see that difference. I know that difference because I know my own heart, but um, how different they are, I don't know. That's Again, that's in God's jurisdiction. Um, that's what he does, and, um, and we've been blessed to see him be faithful again and again and again. So, um, so now if you have any questions, I, I don't know if we can answer them. Any questions about anything that we've shared? I know you said, you know, you know, Hannah's wife never once worried that God would take care of them, always trusted him. But once their kids were out of the house, then they really started struggling with trusting that God would take care of their kids. But, you know, do you have similar, <laughs> have you had similar feelings? And so, uh, Amen. <laughs> I'm already thinking about. I mean, my kids a little bit. I'm already. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was going to lose Craig, Laura's freshman year of college. I really thought I was going to lose him. That was a rough four years. I'm just telling you. Yeah, and if it wasn't for Julie, I think I would have just jumped off a cliff. Um, <laughs> you know, I think the thing is with your children, you think you're in control, but you're not. You just you got no control. And that was the biggest lesson. Um, and Julie would say this, you know, if that's what God has to take them through till they come to Himself, are you okay with that? You know, kids as they get older. Oh, for instance, go to college. Let's just take that one. Um, yeah, it's not like an, it's not like un, unlike in the Book of Daniel or Daniel and the captives are taken off to Babylon and, and, and they're enrolled in these classes. Uh, the amazing thing there is Dan, it says about Daniel, he resolves not to defile himself. And I looked at my youngest son when he went to Alabama and I said, you know what, you're going to have tons of opportunity to defile yourself here. <laughs> you know, you're going to have tons of opportunity. You know, so what do you pray? God, please. You know, give him the resolve not to defile himself. Um, they start moving around all over the country. Um, God determines the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. And he does this so that they might seek him and find him and know him. But God, God's got his hand all over where your kids are going. We, we ain't got a clue. But, but, but God's got his hand on that. And I would tell my kids, like, I'll give you an example. Tyler and his wife moved to Cincinnati. My, bless her heart, my daughter-in-law has got it just figured out. I mean, she's got X, Y, Z. We got this we're going to look at. This and within one day, it was all out the window. They were done. It was toast. They had nothing. And when we left, we were at the airport at the same time. They flew to Cincinnati. We flew to Boston to see our daughter. 
And um, I shared that verse from Acts 17. God determines the times and season exact places where you should pray. He's got this. And uh, the funny story was we were walking through the streets of Boston and my daughter gets it's so funny. My son calls my daughter. It's like, kidding me? <laughs> you know. And he tells her, yeah, we, we, we found a house. Um, you know, it kind of wasn't how he thought it was going to go. But uh, Dad will get a kick out of it. The address is dun 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 Grace Street. <laughs> <laughs> you know, go figure. But um, we've been big advocates of our kids taking the adventure, believing that God holds them in His hands. You know, um, and that He determines the time set for them. And wait. but yeah, when they leave the house, that's that's, that's a big deal. Anybody else? Does anybody do anything with praying with their kids now that they feel like is working that you want to share with anybody else that at different ages um, or struggling with trying to and they're not and not getting are you getting eyes rolled of attitudes? <laughs> One question I do have as far as with, with prayer with your kids. When you bring in the whole like, you know, ask God for forgiveness of your sins. Because I, I kind of struggle like I struggle with that. Like it's should I be spending more time on the blessing parts and less on that? And maybe it's my mom growing up Catholic and you know bringing in some of that. But I'm like, you need to you need to ask God for forgiveness, which you did, you know, <laughs> just like I did. <laughs> you, any thoughts on that? Or? Just like I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the key, right there. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I remember sitting on the back step of my house with my son one night. He, he you know, something happened. He got caught, and we said, "Which you also pray for? Yeah. Pray for your kids to get caught." Yeah. Early. <laughs> I'm serious. Let them get caught at 14, yeah. and you know, or get caught early, um, the first time. And we sat there weeping. And that, that you know, that's your opportunity to explain grace and forgiveness and to lead into that with, with prayer with your with your child. I just I think it's appropriate um, to to communicate um, you know, grace and forgiveness. Um, and so take 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 advantage. Of, of that when in in um, yeah I don't know if that helps um, uh, school just real quick again Daniel uh, I, I I just on my reading schedule I've just kind of finished reading through Daniel and it brought back so many memories because I remember going through Daniel with with my kids but school with your kids this is amazing Daniel one seventeen. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. Who knew? God gives wisdom and understanding in all kinds of literature and learning. Well, why wouldn't you pray that for your children when they go to school? And 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 I mean, again, I'm not, but that's what formulated our prayers for our kids at school age. You got a test today? I'm going to pray God gives you wisdom and understanding. 
and all kinds of literature and learning. Now, why? So he can get a good job and make a bunch of money when he's older? Well, if he does, great. But the bottom line, I think, is that, especially with these four young men as they grew up, they found themselves in positions where they had influence and they had impact on people's <laughs> lives. I don't, I don't care how much money you make. You know, that's... But if you can have influence and impact on people's lives because where God places you, I mean, that's that's huge. Um, so that was just one idea because I'm, I'm sure a lot of you got kids in school. Mm-hmm. Pray that God gives them wisdom and understanding. And... and um, yeah. And, and, that they, and that they know that God cares about that part of their life mm-hmm. in the same way that you do. You care about their friends and you care about their success and, you know, and you care about, he cares about a baseball game, but he cares about it not because it is of their worth, that it proves how worthy they are, but because of what it's going to do in their lives. And, that, and you know, and if it brings them joy, wonderful praise. If it brings them sorrow or they lose, how do you lose? How do we lose? What did we lose? And um, you know, we lost we lost a lot of Facebook. <laughs> well, I, I, just, I just want to say this: I think God used sports in my boys' life more than almost anything else to teach them life lessons. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. The disappointments, the the, the the hurts, the things that don't go right, the things that, that don't like. I can remember my youngest son saying, "Well, why am I the only one that has to trust God? You know, anybody out there on that? And no one ever trusted God." You know, uh, you know, and the pain and the anguish that your kids, you know, experience. I mean, you walk into that, it breaks your heart. But look, it's part of life, and walk into it with them. Um, and you don't have to have all the answers. I mean, we had a son walk in, and he was distraught, weeping. I can't carry this burden anymore, which is a good thing. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> which is a good thing. And and and, and we had no answers. We had zero, and we just sat and we prayed, and we just said, "God, this is this is this is on you," and just give us grace to walk through it and take us out the other end, and we'll we'll look back and say thank you. And sometimes that's all you got. You, you know, we want to fix things as parents. We want to fix everything, but maybe. God is using difficulty in your child's life for who knows what reason. Let them see God work. Let them see God work. So when they come and they say, let's pray. Let's pray. I'm not fixing nothing. Excuse me. (laughs) You know, but but let God work. Um, I'm sorry we're running out of time. I want to encourage you to, to, to read... When my grandchild uh, got baptized, somehow I landed on Psalm 86. And I haven't been able to just to remove myself from that psalm yet. I want to encourage you to read, because uh, we're out of time and you need to go and you got to pick up kids. 86, Psalm 86, uh, I want to give you the exact reference. I think it starts in verse 8 through like 13. And work it backwards. And, and it's kind of like what was... Again, in this bulletin, uh, in, in in terms of the, the baptismal prayer, um, or the baptismal—I can't find it. I'm sorry. 
But when you think about your child's life, and they come to the end of their life, what do you want for them? You may not be there, but what do you want for your child at the end of his life? You want it to be in heaven, right? Well, then what do you want for his life as he lives his life or her life? You know what? I, I want him to walk with God. I want him to worship God. I want him to walk in his truth. And, and those are all spoken of in this song. And the psalmist is praying. He's praying. And he says, teach me your truth that I might walk in it. Give me an undivided heart. Again, here's scripture informing things that we can pray for our children. Um, but the bottom line is this. Here's the bottom line. It starts, this is the way the psalm starts. That God calls all the nations, all the people God calls to himself. And he does a great work. Unless God does a great work in the hearts and lives of your children, that's the bottom line. God has got to work in the heart and life of your child in calling that child to himself. Now, we can, we can help that process by teaching, by praying, by living a life that exemplifies all of that. But the bottom line is God has to do a great work. And that's how that psalm starts in verse 8, where he's calling all the nations to himself and all the people to himself. That's his great work, is to call people into his kingdom. Okay, so let me pray. we got to go. I'm sorry we went long. <laughs> Father, um, don't know how um, you can use this, but speak to hearts as only you can. And let your word work. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.